Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Hello, I'm Rob Beckett. And I'm Josh Whittacombe. Welcome to Parents in Hell, the show in which Josh and I discuss what it's really like to be a parent, which I would say can be a little tricky. So, to make ourselves, and hopefully you, feel better about the trials and tribulations of modern-day parenting, each week we'll be chatting to a famous parent about how they're coping. Or hopefully how they're not coping. And we'll also be hearing from you, the listener, with your tips, advice and, of course, tales of parenting woe. Because, let's be honest, there are plenty of times when none of us know what we're doing. Hello, you're listening to Parenting Hell with... Rob Beckett and Josh Riddigan. Josh Riddigan. Good job. There we go. Oh, that's very fast. This is Alex, he's two and a half, and we're from Sydney, Australia. Oh, he doesn't listen to the podcast. Sydney. But enjoy trying to say your oh. names. I listen to your podcast regularly and find it especially comforting and ironic during the times I have to lie on Alex's floor next to his bed so he will go to sleep. Love the podcast. It's been hilarious and joyful during a tough time. Sydney has only recently gotten out of lockdown. Thanks also for dropping two episodes a week as it's given us something to look forward to. Also, I've bought both of your audiobooks and can't wait to listen to them. Thanks again for the laughs and tips. Hopefully... Lockdown is gone, but the podcast will remain. Correct. Yes, it's good that our Antipodean cousins are uh, out of lockdown. Because yep. we changed the name before they were, yeah. but we can't, we can't wait no, for the whole world. We can't wait for you know the whole I mean? world. How are you, Rob? I'm all good, actually. I've got a little bit of a bone to pick with the schooling system. Oh, no. School Here photos. Here we go. It's a fucking racket. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> It's a ju- right, so you, it's a, it's overpriced for what is. An, Are you an, still put in front of that kind of sky backdrop? Blue, then? yeah, and the photos normally okay, but they're getting through a lot of them, so it's never your best shot of your kid. No. They always look a bit. They're either too smiley because they're annoying, or they're a little bit shy because they're normal. That's how yeah, it works exactly. with any other kids' photo, and so it's not the greatest photo in the world. And then you can never just buy it. You always have to buy a package. You yeah. can't just go, I want four of them at that price. It's like the family bundle, but there's never enough for all the grandparents in the family bundle. Yeah. So it costs a fortune. And do you know what they've started doing now? Merch. Merch? A key ring? I can get my daughter's face on a mug. Why would you want that? So before you used to fill in the form and get the photos, but now it gives you like a link to the website so where you can just order your kid's face or whatever you want. And there's like a list of like key rings, mugs, T-shirts. Rob, do your daughters go to school at Snappy Snaps? <laughs> Yeah, snappy snaps high. No, I think it's, yeah, I think I think it's a thing. They're doing it yeah, at this I'm school. Not, I'm sure it's insane. But they've got merch. My daughter's got merch before we've got merch. <laughs> How much did you buy and what? 
What did I you don't buy? know. Lou's bought it all, and I she just rather big. not know. I just, I, I just rather not know the price because all that's going to happen is Lou's going to order it anyway. So if I find out the price and get annoyed, there's no yeah. point because yeah. me and her have a row, and then she's ordered it anyway. Yeah. So yeah. you're better off just tapping out. I don't know. I don't know if you had school photos yet. She's at preschool. No, still, isn't she's she? at primary. So she, not primary. So she's at nursery. So they don't do school photos. Yeah. No. That joy still to come. I think though, when they leave, they do have a. Uh, small uh well a four-year-old size like they have like the thing that you wear a mortarboard and gown like when you're leaving university oh that's cute yeah that's nice get that get that on a a4 poster just stick it on exactly. your board exactly i'll get that on a mouse mat lovely <laughs> see if they were nice people they just send you the file and you could get it printed yourself that's oh, what god with getty images written on it like i'm trying to get photos of one of the beckham kids fucking <laughs> <laughs> joke mate so it's ridiculous oh, i'm sorry uh, Oh, this, this will make you laugh as well, Josh, yeah. quickly. This is quite a separate to kids. Um, I did a book event. Um, mm. uh, I don't know if I mentioned it. Uh, you, you did, yeah. We, a Bromley. Well, the, the Bromley one. Um, but um, did I mention the woman like, that laughed in the front row? That really made me laugh. Because the whole book's about, like, because your background is, like, working class, you don't have the confidence to do something because you're sort of told that it's, you, you can't do it because no one around you does that kind of thing. And anyway, yeah. it was talking about a story, and I went, oh, well, oh, yeah, actually, I didn't really put that in that book. I, I'll put it in the next book. And a woman went, ha, ha, next book. And I was like, <laughs> what have I got to do? <laughs> what have I, you are at my book, you're at a book event about a book I've written, and you still think it's funny that I might write another one. Like, what have I got to do to prove that I've got the minerals to write a book here? <laughs> she's, li- she's listened to you complaining about writing the book for the last three months on the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, to be fair, I, I did moan about it. And I probably won't write one for about 10 years, but it really made me laugh. I was like, oh, come on, have a bit of faith. You're at a, you're at a book of... I've literally done one that I'm talking about now. Come on. <laughs> Believe in me. Um, how about you, Josh? You're good? Yeah, I'm good, actually. I'm fine. I am... Um, you know what? What? Everything, everything's okay, Rob. It's fine. It's quite... Settled down a bit. <laughs> I'm doing a tiny bit less work. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, because I do would say I think we both work hard, but when I, when the, the book thing, I know we keep banging on about, it, and I apologise we keep banging on about it, but you do basically have to hammer it for two weeks, and then now we're done with the book. It's sort of out there now. People that know about yeah. it know about it. You I can did, just I did ease Saturday of it. Saturday kitchen though last week. That have you ever done Saturday kitchen? That Once. is the best time I've ever had in my life, Rob. Oh well, I, I felt quite the opposite. But go did on. Did you? <laughs> I just can't be bothered to go to Clapham on a Saturday morning to pretend to like Clapham? food. Clapham, lovely, <laughs> Rob. I have three glasses of wine before. For midday. You're an animal. You're, 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 that's well, because no, no, I, I'm contractually obliged to do so. <laughs> contractually obliged to have three glasses of red wine. Well, that was uh, one was a pink fizzy, one was white, and one was red. I didn't finish the wine, but also I had a lovely meal times four. I had a lovely cake. I, genuinely, I was like, this is the gig. Drinking and eating. Before midday. I get stressed on live TV because I feel like I'm about to ruin my career by saying something. Um, Josh, I've got a good Instagram if you want to do that before we bring on Jimmy Carr because it's a a good episode. We should also do, uh, weren't we going to do a brain dump or something we remember? Oh, yes, brain dump. Let's do brain dump first and I'll do this story. It's a funny story that's coming from Instagram. And Michael was going to pick a subject. I don't know if Michael's thought of a subject. I do indeed. I thought it would be nice to hear your thoughts and your brain dump on Home and Away. Home and Away. Home and Away. Did you used to watch Home and Away, Rob? I didn't. I was more Neighbours. Oh, well, Home and Away. So you don't remember Alf and Ailsa? I, d- I never watched Home and Away. Oh, I can't no. brain dump with you, Josh. You'll have to do it oh, solo. Oh, well, I don't think it's as fun on your own. That's a shame. Oh, sorry, Michael. You've got another topic. Um, how about Tier 5 Friday? Oh, oh Tier 5. Yes, there place your hands. Reef. 
Yeah. Will. Will. Remember Will? Yeah, yeah, of course. Do you know what? I've met him a few times because he still works in TV now, doesn't he? Yeah. He is a lovely bloke. Lovely guy. Big fan of his. He's uh, he's actually the producer on Undeniable, which you can watch on Wednesdays on Comedy Central at 9pm. This is is shameless. Sorry, I shouldn't be plugging in a dump. No, you should, because this is, this is, you know, to be fair, we are doing this podcast and people who are this podcast probably fans of us so I don't think it's a problem that you're saying you might also enjoy this yeah yeah no, that's fine well let's do the brain dump come on TFR Friday give it to Danny Baker um, was well, a script writer they used to write on the desks all the names remember that oh yeah the, the, the cardboard cut out of Jarvis Cocker behind Chris Evans yes um, yes please there was a, one where Paul McCartney was on and he played every instrument when he played a song and I tell because I love Paul McCartney and I think he's amazing remember when Slipknot were on yes I do remember when Slipknot were on that was unbelievable <laughs> It was great. And then didn't people used to come through the little yeah. door and do something? What was the little challenge they so did? So there was an ugly bloke where an ugly bloke <laughs> would come out. Ugly bloke! And then a model would come out and she'd yeah. ask him out on a date and he'd have to say, sorry, love, you're not my type. <laughs> that is, that is, that feels problematic, but actually I think it's quite visionary. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think exactly. And then there was a freak or unique, which was like yes. a woman that could cry milk and yeah. like um, a man whose stomach looked like an elephant and stuff like that. Amazing, freak or unique, and then was there people behind the bar as well? Because he just used to pan there was a barman. The... There was a barman called Andrew who was like an Irish bloke. I think was Chris Evans' local barman that had just got given the job. Oh, what that must have been so fun to work on. Uh, have you ever recorded in Riverside Studios where it used to be recorded? Yes, yes. There's a pub opposite, it, and over the wall, all you can see it. There's loads of pictures from the '90s of. Chris Evans and Danny Baker and stuff with all these huge superstars and they've just gone to drink there after TFI Friday. Oh, that's... We should have a Christmas party there. Oh, my God. What a place. Actually, not. It's miles west. Yeah, it's really... It's, it's quite absolute a nightmare for us. Um, um, too difficult to get to. <laughs> far too difficult. Right, um, I, I enjoyed that little brain dump, Josh. That, that was, was nice. Fun, wasn't it? I've, got, um, I've got one more little story do before we go. send in your brain dumps. They don't have to be TV. We'll do any, anything, you know. Uh, uh, Arsenal. Arsenal Invincible Virgin season. Megastore. Anything. Anything that no longer exists. Right, here we go. Is uh, this one little story before we bring on Jimmy Carr. Hi, Rob and Josh. Having heard Lucy Beaumont's breast milk stories, I felt compelled to share one of mine. I'd gone to a cafe with my sister-in-law after having done a walk around a park. This was my first proper outing since I had my son Oliver just three weeks before. Oh. I was very nervous, three weeks old. Yeah. We found a table and we were looking through the menu when Oliver suddenly woke up screaming for milk. As it was still pretty early days, I was not a pro at getting Oliver latched quickly or subtly. It wasn't going well. Oh, God. And Oliver was getting more and more distressed, making it harder and harder to, for him to get on the boob. Um, and it was making me more hot and flustered as everyone looked. After finally getting Oliver latched, it was at this moment that a teenage waiter came over with our teas and to take our food order. He had clocked I was breastfeeding, flushed bright red and was doing the classic avoid all oh, eye God, contact yeah. with the woman yeah. and her, <laughs> with her boob out whilst taking the order. I don't know if it was the sound of another voice or what, but Oliver took his moment to pop off the boob, letting out a large jet of milk whiz out from my nipple and oh hit no. oh this no. poor lad oh in god. the face. Oh my god, no. What is this? The bloody <laughs> I mean this is what this is Miranda. What's going on? This is not... I have no idea how that particular trajectory worked, but it was a perfect shot oh right onto god. his cheek. Oh my god. There was a half second where he and I both looked at each other with our mouths open. He should keep his shut unless he's hungry. Um, <laughs> my, 
my sister-in-law then burst out laughing and said, do you have any extra milk for my tea, please? Then pointed at me and she... she <laughs> and then, then pointed at me and said, she clearly doesn't need any. Oh, my God. Absolutely <laughs> Frank Skinner speed from the sister-in-law there. He looked so shocked, mumbled, uh, I'll have a look and bring you your cutlery and shuffled off. I was so hot and embarrassed. The whole thing made, made it even worse when I found out that he was, in fact, the teenage waiter's very first day of his job. Oh, no. Oh, my oh, God. No. At least he got an interesting story to tell when he got home. I mean, that's from Hannah there, this old squirty milk Hannah. That, oh, that, that is that, brutal. That story probably exists somewhere else on a phone in for weirdest first day at work ever. What a, what oh a mad... Oh, my God, that is... If you are the teenage waiter, do get in touch. Yes, and if you um, have squirted um, milk in someone's face before, let us know. We are very big fans of the of the squirted of milk in embarrassing situations. Um, I think it's good because it will happen to other people. So the more we talk about it, the better we'll make those people feel. Because poor old Hannah there was very, very red-faced, she said. Yes, that is absolutely brutal. Right, now, someone who doesn't get red-faced, the, the master of no shame, oh, Jimmy Carr. That, that is a link and a half, Come isn't on. it? Here he is. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Jimmy Carr, welcome to the show. We're very excited about this, Jimmy. What excited about about having me on the show? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I do you know what? For a long time as well, I thought I was better than this. So uh... <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's not a rock bottom, but it's definitely it's on the way there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you can smell it, but you're not in it. It felt like when we got the email, I thought there's an admin error here. <laughs> They've, they've, they've confused us with the book of for Graham Norton here. What's going on? I like the idea that you guys have gone, look, look, we've oh, just middle of lockdown. We've got to, we've got to monetize these kids somehow. It can't <laughs> just be a brain on our time. That's why I was interested because I asked you to do this in lockdown and you said, because you like, said you weren't really going to talk about your kid, but now you are because there's been a shift. Well, the shift was we, we just wanted a bit of time to kind of adjust to it ourselves. And then yeah. we're kind of we're talking about it. I mean, I thought the papers were very nice about it in a weird way. Because, like, the tabloids get given a hard time, right, by yeah. anyone yeah. in the public eye. It's like, oh, yeah. they're terrible, they're the worst. And you go, well, they took pictures of me pushing a pram for a year and a half and just went, I wonder what's in the pram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Like I was taking old CDs to cash converters. Everyone just presumed it was piles of cash, Jimmy. That's what they presumed. <laughs> I do get paid solely in cash. Yeah, well, that's that's what um, Ken Dodd was just cash, wasn't it? It was he had a room of cash in his house. Obviously, I'm the expert on all. <laughs> <laughs> of course, there's a very clear distinction between tax avoidance and tax evasion. It's about the difference is about eighteen months in prison. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, Jimmy, you've got one child. That's correct. How old? Two years of age? Just turned two. One child. Does that get me on the podcast, or do I need more? Yeah, no. It does. Yeah, you qualify. But people don't know. That's the thing because you've never you never officially announced it, did you? Really? You started talking about, but like that's why the papers couldn't say anything because you hadn't announced having a child, so they could just say Jimmy Carl was spotted pushing a pram. I thought. I, I also thought it was kind of a weird thing that people like make a big announcement. Yeah. I'm aware yeah. other people have got kids. It's like one of one of the royal family has a kid and you go, right, is that the first child that's ever been born? Is this children's <laughs> men? <laughs> a lot of fuss going on. Yeah. It's weird that thing of like the the fascination with certain kind of celebrity kids. You know that's where the whole horoscope thing comes from. It was a royal baby in the early part of the uh, 20th century was born and they did the horoscope in the paper one day for the baby. I went, oh, it's born and there's a thing called horoscopes and it's kind of... And then they just, the papers realised, oh, we could fill a page a day with this nonsense. <laughs> Amazing. People love this nonsense. <laughs> I never knew. So he's he just turned two. Did you do anything for his uh, two-year-old party? We did. We went to the Rainforest Cafe. <laughs> oh, yes. How was that? I couldn't recommend it highly enough. It is, I would say, I would say almost inedible food and a lot of fun. <laughs> it's like, it's like, how are they messing this up? Like, wimpy. <laughs> Wimpy still does a good burger. I don't care yes. who you are. Yeah, I agree. But th- these guys seem absolutely incapable. So, uh, but it's, you know, it's the it's it's Piccadilly and it's like massive yeah. gorillas and stuff. He's in the zoo. We live really near London Zoo. So he's in the zoo most days. He's got part-time work. <laughs> are you a member? I'm a silver member. I bet you're a bloody gold member of the zoo, aren't you, Jimmy? A silver member? I didn't even know there was such a thing, Josh. Oh, Jimmy, the money that you're losing. I'd have thought you'd be across this. So what's what's the setup? My silver membership, I can go as much as I want, but I don't get money off parking. Who's driving to London Zoo? Yeah, I live two minutes away. Why would I, why would I be driving? <laughs> I've got whatever the, the membership thing is where you can just kind of wander in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You live local. Um, yeah, it's good. I mean, you know, I've got to say, I'm loving the zoo. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? And people think it's cruel, but really... Compare it to nature. If you take away all those cages, what have you got? What you after two weeks? You haven't got like harmony. After two weeks, you've got one massive fat tiger looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, and uh, is he at preschool and stuff now? Your your boy? Uh, yeah, he's at the, he's at the nice one where you can go with them. So that there's oh. two mornings a week. Oh. He can you can sort of go from it's like nine thirty to eleven thirty, and you can go and you go with them. I find it very very chill. Because they're quite strict. They sort of go, look, no phones. And you sort of go, well, it's two years old. He hasn't got a phone. And they go, no, no, you're not allowed on your phone. Oh. And so oh, wow. you're sort of there playing with, with you know, bricks and, and then uh, put it in the safe. And then you're good for the day. Check it again at seven o'clock. And it was, it was hard, like the first couple of days, but it's really good. It's really kind of... Well, when your kid says to you, I'll put the phone down, you feel so much guilt. Oh, and they go, God. Daddy, put your phone down. And I've been on my phone way too much. We've all got books out at the moment. You've got your, your book out as well, Jimmy. And you are forced to sort of plug it quite heavily. There it is. Look at that. Um, before and laughter. A bit self-help and it's sort of just funny stories as well, isn't it, Jim, that one? It's kind of, it's like the classic sort of showbiz biography of the, uh, hey, I can't believe my luck. And it's also, oh, how did you make your luck? Yeah. Because I think there's the, the, your belief system, I think, is kind of the fundamental thing in life. Like what you believe dictates how everything else goes. So I put yeah. a bit of that in there because I thought, you know, it helped me a lot. So, you know, I want to share it around. Also, you know, the advance from the publisher. <laughs> in it, you say uh, that you're kind of writing this partly for your son so that he's got something to read when he's kind of 25 and he wants to find out about life. 
I'll be an older dad. There is that thing of like, I'm, well, I was chatting to my friend Jim Jeffries about it the other day and going, yeah, I'm an older dad. And he went, move to Los Angeles, mate. You're a young dad. <laughs> <laughs> Depends where you call it from. So I like the idea that, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a slightly older dad. So that first thing, I think in life, it's like, it's later than people think as well. I think it's sort of 24, 25. You're mm-hmm. sort of, you land and go, right, what am I doing? Yeah. And that's a massive thing. Like who's around at that stage is your environment. And is, you know, that thing about, you know, the parenting thing, nurture is incredibly important. I mean, mm. nature is probably more important, but there's nothing we can do about it, right? Yeah. That's, mm. that's your factory settings. That's what you come out with. And the only bit we get to play with is nurture. And mm. people assume that nurture finishes at, I don't know, 18 or 21 or whenever they, you move out of home, they, oh, nurture's done and I'm a finished product. But actually, it continues all the way through your life. And you kind mm. of, I don't, it took me a while to kind of figure that out, that like, you're, you can't beat your environment. You've got to be around around yeah. good people. Because you, you wasn't like as super confident as you are now when you were younger. So do you think when your child's older and like in the teenage years that you're... What I find quite difficult is like I wasn't very confident as a teenager. So there's all sort of things that I sort of did to help me that I want to tell my kids, do this, do that. That'll be really good because that helped you. But then I know that when you are 17, the last thing you want is a 50-year-old bloke telling you what to do or not to do. Do you know what I mean? So do you, are you going to try and control yourself or do you reckon you'll go full in with the, this is what you got to do, son? I'm often wrong, but never in doubt. I'll have loads of opinions, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the nature of this thing, isn't it? It's like, yeah. of course you're going to go, like, as if you're going to see your child suffering in any way and go, well, good luck, figure it out. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, I know the answer. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. Find yeah. it out for yourself. It does seem like there's a corrective element to being a dad as well. You kind of don't want what you had necessarily, or you want to kind of take elements of that and, and mm. you know, make it better. So that thing of like, the idea of having a dialogue with your child, I think is very sort of healthy, mm. no matter what you say. The act of talking is more important than what you say, I think. Yeah. yeah. Can I say so as well, Jim? I'm not seeing you for a bit. Your hair looks fucking exceptional. There's a lot more of it than one I last saw. There's loads. <laughs> That's mental. Well, it's a weird thing where you have a hair. Tra- I had a hair transplant in the second lockdown because you know you you have a midlife crisis. What am I going to do with sports car? <laughs> but then you did it perfect timing. Yeah. Yeah. Just before it got too bad. Well, yeah, I did it. Well, I had like the the they call it a widow's peak, don't they? It's like yeah. mm. I, look, I look like a vampire's accountant, like a like a, <laughs> a snooker player. Ray, real Ray Reardon, if you get that reference. Have yeah. you seen the, the gods of snooker? So I had that thing going on, and I thought, well, I'll get it done. I mean, purely vanity, but I think being on the telly sort of licenses a fair bit of vanity. But you yeah. have a hair transplant, and people genuinely, they go, I had a mate go, who do you get the hair from? And you go, no, no, no. <laughs> You're not waiting for one of one direction to be in a motorcycle accident. <laughs> they just, they take 4,000 hairs from round the back and then redistribute. It's very socialist, my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know the sensation of uh, when the hairs on the back of your neck stand up? Yeah. How that does this go spiking? <laughs> God, the gag. <laughs> That's lovely. I love lovely stuff. And does that continue forever? Like, I, I know we will get back to parenting, but I mean, so does, so will that... This is the only reason I had the kid was as a donor. He doesn't realise that. The technology can move forward. <laughs> I look at him and I just see, I see two healthy kidneys. <laughs> just spare parts. So does the hair, will you have to redo <laughs> that? Or will like will that happen again? Or is that now sorted forever? That will last forever there because that's the hair from back there. So it's mm, not yep. programmed to fall out. Right, so it's just going to stay in there. But what I might do is recede back past that point. <laughs> <All right. laughs> 
I would have like I would describe it as a fryer tuck vibe, where <laughs> yeah. you have a front to a quiff, and then you have like a ball bit behind it. But that's yeah. just you know, let's yeah. we'll cross that bridge. Um, so Jim, we all know you as like sort of Mister. Sort of you get a banter from me, me like like Mister Robot, sort of no humanity and no emotion on shows. You know what I mean? You're brutal with your jokes, and you don't really give much of yourself away. Like when we do panel shows and stuff, you've, you've done some more so recently, but you, you you don't give too much away. So what's Jimmy Carr the dad like? Then are you fully in the, on the floor, rolling around, messing around? I'm or? fully. I kind of went into it with my eyes open. Uh, I absolutely adore it. I think this, my sort of theory on people is the people that we like, we like who we are. We're very self-centered. I think we like who we are when we're with them. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's why we like other people. The reason we like our other halves and the reason we like our mates is because I like who I am when I'm with you. Great. Yeah. Um, I like who I am when I'm, when I'm with him. I like, I like sort of being fully engaged. And I mean, the lockdown thing was such a blessing, but mm. I'm around more than most dads get to be. Most dads want to yeah. be around an awful lot. And life gets in the way and they've got to work or, you know, a lot of mums as well get to have to work. And it's just, it's hard being away from your kid. I get to be there most of the day because I yeah. work night. I mean, I work, it's such a brilliant job. Like getting back to it, you go, I work two hours a night with a break. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah. But you, you do get to spend a lot of time with the kids, like in the daytime when you do our job, when it's mainly evenings. Yeah, I get to go to Jimbery, I get to go to uh, Messy Monkeys, all of that stuff. And I'm I'm down with all of it. I love it. For a minute, I thought Jimbery was what you termed playing with Jimmy Carr. I thought that was like, <laughs> you're your family name. <laughs> that's, the, that's the official term. That's the, that's the word we use. An hour of Jimbery. What about other parents? Um, have you had those awkward chats? You know, because when you've got a kid, it's sort of like open season to chat if you're at soft play or jimboree. You know, what is it that you get asked? Because I, I find you're a hard person to approach in the street because you've got that high status authority. Well, I do. It's a weird thing. I've always had that odd thing of because of the type of jokes that I do on stage. And, you know, I was chatting to someone about the book recently, sort of saying, I've never really liked, they've been watching me for 20 years and don't know who I am because. Mm the book gives a sense of that's my sense of humor and that's who I am on stage, yeah. but kind of opening up a little bit. And it seems appropriate after 20 years in comedy to write a biography. Frankly, you boys have gone too early. <laughs> uh, but I think of like opening up and kind of being a bit more yourself. I, I mean, I think I'm, I think I'm more approachable now than I was. And I think with a kid as well, it's sort of like having a dog. Like mm-hmm. we've had dogs for years. So if you've got a dog, if you're walking the dog, it's like anyone else with a dog, you go, all right, we're in the dog gang. We can chat. <laughs> Any other parent can have a chat. The only thing I don't like is the eyebrow raise from other dads. I'm not a big fan of the, uh, you're in the playground, having a brilliant time with your kids. Yeah. And the other dad gives you the uh, the eyebrows, the, all oh, right, they got you too. And you go, no, no, <laughs> I fucking love this. I knew what was going to happen. <laughs> I'd look, but I think Romesh is a great act. He does, he can be negative, but I think Romesh is a good guy. <laughs> did you always want to have kids? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think I did. I think I had a, um, there's elements of my childhood that weren't particularly happy. And I kind of, I felt like it was, I felt, I mean, you know, to, to be serious, I felt like my, mm. my mother was slightly tied down by her kids. I felt like she was, you know, her life was us. And mm. I wanted more than that. So I kind of associated having a family with being tied down and not being free. And, I suppose that break that I had in my mid twenties of like going off and for me, it was joining the circus of comedy and going, mm. I don't care about stuff anymore. I want to have interesting experiences. And it felt yeah. like it was yo ho ho and a pirate's life for me. And I was off doing that. And then kids felt like that was very 
uh, domestic and would tie me down. And I can see now that that was foolish and you can have both. But I think at the time, it was, I wasn't ready for that. Yeah, I think there's a lot, because I think a lot of comics have kids quite late as well. And I think that that's a really good kind of distillation of what's happened with... Yeah, but if you want, I mean, if you want to find a group that are emotionally stunted, it is... <laughs> It is, um, it is comedians. And, and, you know, and my theory in the book, which is, you know, not universal, but I think in a lot of comics that I know, it's when you ask a comic, you know, why'd they get into it? The best question to ask a comedian is which of your parents was sick. It tends to be that one of your parents was sick, either physically or emotionally, and you had to make things okay in the house. You had to make yeah. that Okay, I'm not sure if that's true for you, but let's ask. Josh, is that true for you? Um, I don't, do you know what? I don't think it is, but it certainly wasn't true physically. I don't think I made things okay in the house. <laughs> you made it worse, actually. Yeah. But you, you know, you've got that very light thing about you. I mean, with me, it was my mother was very depressed throughout my childhood. Mm. There was, and she was brilliantly fun and funny, but also quite depressed. And it was kind of having to make things okay. And that becomes yeah. yourself medicating with dopamine. Totally. Well, I don't think it's necessarily sick, but if there's sort of something that's not good happening at home, whatever the situation, then it's, the comedian comes out where you go, I'm going to try and cheer everyone up, whether they're sick or if there's not much money knocking about or someone loses a job or there's grief yeah, in the yeah. family. It's yeah, that kind right. of thing. So I think it's a bit, bit, bit broader. But yeah, definitely you, you you use your whatever skills you've got to go, oh, I'll be funny or I'll distract and stuff like that. But what's really interesting is like, because what's great about the book is like, you see so much more of Jimmy Carr, as we've said, than you would yeah. ever see. And I found like doing this podcast with Rob, both of us have opened up more than we ever have. And people really respond to that. And have you found it kind of freeing in a way to kind of share all this stuff and share these views with people? Uh, I think it is a little bit. It's also kind of where I want to go a little bit. Mm. I think it's that thing where like, obviously the lockdown is there's lots of negatives and a lot of people had a very tough time. And I, I, you know, you do a lot of thinking. Actually, as life slows down, you tend to reflect more. Sort of mm. memory and speed are sort of inversely proportionate. And we, I spend my life on the road. I sort of gig 200 nights a year. So I'm sort of out doing it. And then you don't really turn around and reflect. And then when I kind of look, looked at it, kind of, I went, I'd actually like to change my comedic style a little bit and open up a little bit more. So I'm kind of working on that, you know. Yeah. It's quite interesting to do that, to sort of go, well, no one's finished. Comedy's sort of a task yeah. without end. You can get better. You can always kind of work at it a bit more. So I'm trying to work on that as well and opening up a little bit is kind of part of it. Yeah. And do you think that's been a direct result as well of your, having a child where you do, you, you do, you know, open up to more things? You have to make compromises where before, and I think, you know, you said your kids a bit later. I think that's not just a comedian thing. That's just people that are career driven and you've got to be really career driven in comedy to get because you have to really sacrifice all your friends and relationships to take those kids and do all those unsociable hours and stuff. But so do you think it's sort of having children sort of, opened you up a bit more like that because you, you are distracted from the career aspect. I think so. I think maybe it's an age thing. I feel a bit more career driven than I have in the last five years. Really? Actually, that was the weird down like the, the, the kind of caveman thinking about scarcity comes in. Yeah. Mm, yeah. That weird. And it's like a caveman level safety and security. Mm. Uh, and they're very different things. Obviously, safety is about, you know, is there a bear that's going to attack? No, we'll be fine. And then scarcity is about do we have enough? and wanting to work and that being your sort of thing i definitely had that when i when we had first kid i just in my head suddenly every job became like a mathematical equation almost in my head of how many jobs of this level do i need to do before we're like i need to do this amount of work for this amount of years and then i don't have to worry anymore about and that's i was doing that for two years maybe and i thought and I, it was really making my mind go, I think. 
I think a lot of people have that. A lot of people have that weird thing of like going, right, what do I need to do to be okay forever? And yeah. before having kids, eh, sort of who cares? You know, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. it's only me. I'll be fine. I was fine when I had nothing. I'll be, you know, I, I was I yeah, had nothing totally. for a couple of years when I started doing comedy. Fine. Absolutely fine. Happy as Larry. And then, you know, you make a few quid and it's it's good. I mean, that causes different problems. But, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's lovely that the unifying thing about having kids, the fact that you feel part of a tribe, a little bit the the fact yeah. like everyone's going through these mm. same experiences everyone sort of feels the same i mean the the, yeah. the base level of, i suffer with anxiety quite a lot and the base mm. level of anxiety just gets turned up again because you think you're at the casino and you're all in yeah yeah i'll bet my life i'm a funny fucker i'll bet everything i'll bet <laughs> a, a, a lovely career in marketing <laughs> that i'm the funny fucker <laughs> You, you you do you literally go right i mean it sounds very dramatic but you bet your life yeah. and then you have a kid and you go fuck i'm i wasn't all in at all Maybe yeah. i'm all in <laughs> yeah. I've got yeah. in the game yeah especially when you're yeah. self-employed and stuff that's what you know i i found that where when i had the kids i was like right i've got to get the money and get the money and even if you sort of have got enough you just keep telling yourself you haven't and then you keep going yeah. and going frankly you two guys being worried i mean really wind your necks in this guy's worried. We live in the middle of cancel culture and I'm still doing what I'm doing. So <laughs> yeah. Borrow time. You've got nothing to worry about. I can't see I mean listen, I love you, Josh. I can't see you getting cancelled. <laughs> no, but I'm I'm more cancellable, Jimmy, because anything if I said any of your jokes, that's the end of my career. But you you're the uncancellable man, right? Well, that that feels You're like... the T1000 of cancel culture. <laughs> this is going to get clipped up. <laughs> I mean, Rob, Rob won't get cancelled for anything he says on stage, but I reckon I reckon some sort of crime from his teenage years will come back. Yeah. <laughs> name the driver. Or I'll be pissed at a pub being filmed at a phone saying something. That, that, that's what'll happen. It won't be a joke. But do you, think, do you reckon that your kid's got an impact on that, where some of the stuff you talk about, obviously, is so extreme, and obviously it's all jokes and stuff, but are you concerned about him seeing it, or...? Oh, about him seeing it? No, not for a second. No, but if you were, say, cancelled for something, and then it's sort of all the bad press about you being cancelled and stuff, does that weigh on you if they, they, they've got to see that press or stuff, or go to school when that's happening? Well, what am, what am I going to do? I'm going to be like a conservative MP at my, at my front gates going, well, I'd like to apologise. <laughs> no, listen, I'll roll those guys all day. I mean, in my yeah. house growing up, my mother, I mean... To say she swore is an understatement. It was like she swore, like the C word was absolutely fine at, uh, yeah. in, in our house. Like all, all the swearing was fine. All the chatting about things that were unacceptable, absolutely fine. And I like that. I like the idea that uh, there's a, there's an honesty to comedy and there's an openness to comedy and a, and a discourse in being funny that just it, it puts people at ease. And it's for me, it's like a, a shorthand to a friendship. It's like if you share a sense of humor with someone. Yeah. It's just you're right. Okay, we're on the same level. There's no like you talk about status or whatever when people meet me. If they've got the same sense of humor as me, we're on the level. Great. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... 
Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. And, and with your parents, you said it was a bit difficult in your childhood. Did that make you quite nervous to be a parent if you had sort of not the greatest experience growing up, that not knowing what to do? Uh, not so much. I think I knew what to do. I just didn't. <laughs> I mean, listen, it's not like a, a secret. I haven't seen my father in like 21 years. Um, mm. uh, and, my, 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 you know, the line, my mother's dead and my father's dead to me, which sounds very cold and yeah. until you meet the guy. Um, <laughs> but it's 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 a weird thing where you go. I'm acutely aware that things don't always work out. Mm. I'm more aware that I think a lot of people sort of think, "Oh, it'll be fine." I'm aware that sometimes it goes the other way, and that can be terrible. And there's no uh, bitterness and there's no anger there. You know, one the best. I just I can't have that guy in my life. So yeah. you know, there's a bit of a sadness there. And you you worry could something go go wrong in uh, with my kid? Yeah. Uh, you know, you want to kind of prevent that, but it's it's hard. I think it's about being uh, being being a father and being that figure for him, but not being you know in any way controlling. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's because I didn't really process like my childhood until I became a parent, because then you start directly sort of comparing it and stuff. So if you do have a difficult relationship with your dad, it, uh, for me, I'd, I'd imagine that you'd be like, "Fucking hell, he didn't do that, and I'm doing that." You then you constantly compare. You can have those issues and not seen them, but then you're constantly comparing. And I don't know if that if that happens at all, and where you've actually thought about it more since yeah i thought i thought about it a lot but i was very lucky actually because when i when i lost my mother and my father i i kind of was i was around good people and i had enough father figures and mother figures in my life so it's like mm. you never really lose them you sort of go right well i need to find that thing that i get from that person that kind of archetype so you know that can be uh, you know teachers friends i mean it's sort of colleagues as well i've got some friends that are like i've got one friend that's younger than me that's properly like a father figure in my life like someone that i go to for advice for things it's it's weird the way it works yeah but it's um it's not you rob but the <laughs> <laughs> but the idea of like going it's it's interesting like when you think about it what is you know you happen to be you know biologically the father of this of this mm. creature but that's mm. not the important thing the important thing yeah. Your, your role within their life and how you kind of how you play that yeah I think like you say nurture is so massive obviously nature like in those your genes and things like that but you can have a relationship with someone that you're not genetically re- related to that you treat like a grandparent or an auntie mm. or a dad and I think that, that that's so important we're talking that thing in like in in families or whatever I was always very jealous of that with my my mate's sort of family had this thing where they'd have other other sort of people and you go oh, that's auntie Joan and you go well how mm. can you relate to her Make my mums. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there's a certain level of friendship that mums have, yeah. dads have, where you go, no, that's your uncle, Tony. Yeah. Yeah. Why? I didn't have that. I've known him since I was seven, so he's my uncle. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bet you've got that, haven't you, Beckett? Yeah, you're the most, well, I've got I've got that. But what I'm going to say to Jimmy is that you're one of the most well-connected people I know in the country. So the, the people your child's going to meet and spend time with is going to be, he's going to have hundreds of aunties and uncles, isn't he? Well, I don't. I don't. I mean, well connected is a is an odd thing. Well, no, it is. You are well connected. That's that's your uncle Brandon Flowers from the Killers. I'd say if I needed to contact someone, I'd go to Jimmy. Jimmy's Jimmy's phone book's probably the best in the country. I'd say. I got a call the other day from a mate going, "Oh, I need uh, I need permission to use uh, paint it black." Do you know the Rolling Stones? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's a fair point, isn't it? So who did you call, Keith or Mick? Which was the one that you called, Jimmy? It was it was Ronnie Wood. But yeah, but that's not... 
celebrities changed massively, uh, like mm. in terms of you know Instagram and social media and all these things. So, and I'm at the lovely age now. My son's at the lovely age where you can dictate. So you can say, right, no screens, no sugar, no social media. But no social media yeah. is easy for a two-year-old. I imagine with a thirteen-year-old, it's more of a <laughs> <Yeah>. battle. <laughs> yeah. But I watched that about all the guys that that in Silicon Valley sort of going, you can't have social media for kids. It's not healthy. Because I, no. I don't think I would have had a happy childhood with social media because no, I wasn't no, aware. I know Josh wasn't aware. I mean, he lived in the, in the, out in the middle of nowhere, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You weren't aware there was more fun going on elsewhere. You're there in your, your school with four people <laughs> in it, whatever it was. Yeah, no, of course. I didn't realise until at least about 2004 that it was a weird place to grow up at all. Yeah. And that's just basically what my life was like. It, that, I assumed everyone lived like that. <laughs> the social media thing worries me because everything looks so perfect. Yeah. yeah. Sort of happy families and everyone's having a perfect time. That only really existed in adverts for holidays when we were kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a weird psychological thing now where people are jealous of themselves on Instagram, where they see pictures of themselves on Instagram and go, oh, I wish I was that person. But they are that person. Yeah. But it's just oh, wow. smiling. They've yeah. never frowned. Well, I've been doing book signings for the book when it's come out. And then people have a quick photo with you and then move along because there's lots of people waiting. So you, they, they can't get their angle. They can't, yeah. you know, position yeah. it how they normally do. So then I get messages on Twitter or Instagram. Going, oh, it's great to meet Rob Beckett. And I go, and I look at the, the, the profile photo and go, I've never met this woman in my life. There's, I've never yeah. met her. Then I scroll down, look at the photo of us together. It's a different person because she's not put, <laughs> done all the angles. You sound like Prince Andrew there. I've never met this yeah. woman. <laughs> it is an odd one, isn't it? The social media thing and people sort of getting photos rather than... It's, it's an odd thing like signings for things where you go, I'd rather look someone in the eyes and say hello than get a photo. Yes. They didn't really have a chance to say hi. Yeah, because yeah. you, you can have a proper chat with someone and go oh, about something rather than just like, oh, awkwardly like leaning in. Just say yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you've been asked 400 times that day, the 401st person doesn't know that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, no, yeah, no, I don't mind a photo. As long as they bought a fucking book, yeah, do what they want. <laughs> Hundreds of people that I've gone, I've got to get a train, sorry. <laughs> do you do, um, do you watch kids TV with um, your son? Uh, no, he's never seen TV. He's never seen TV. He's never, he's never watched telly. He's two. Ever. He's two. So what do you think? You just play with him all day. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, is that weird? Guys, <laughs> that's impressive. Um, do you know when you're going to ease it in? We're trying to go back to the set. We're having a full Josh Widdicombe childhood. We're going to bring him up Amish. Yeah. <laughs> so he's never watched telly. What about never had an iPad or no nothing on screens like that? Like the only thing he's seen is like videos of me. Like if I'm if I've got a gig and he's going to yeah. bed, we'll do a little FaceTime at bed. Right, yeah. I got a tip from a mate the other day, um, Stuart Goldsmith. You both know Stuart Goldsmith. Um, yeah. He, yeah. Said, he said, don't do videos with the kids. Uh, don't do FaceTime. Make a video and send it to them, and they make a video and send it to you. Ah, oh, that's good. Otherwise, like, bedtime can be a bit... Like, if you get the wrong time, if you're five minutes too late for that perfect yeah. say goodnight, yeah. it's a bit confusing and... He was just trying to do something. Yeah, that's a good tip, isn't it? Yeah. So when were you going to ease TV in, or are you not going to ease TV in? I think it's going to, I mean, it's going to be so straight, but hopefully by the time we ease TV in, it will just be, it'll just go, I'm not interested. My dad seems to present everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are you just going to show him telly from the noughties then? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, oh, so he's not want to tell you. Okay, so all right. Has he had a McDonald's? What? 
Has he had a McDonald's? No, but we, we had... No. I think with the health visitor came around. Do you know the health visitor, a nice lady that came around? Like, she was really sweet. And then I was going, <laughs> you know, as I do, I went, any funny stories? And she, uh, we went, well, we're sort of, you know, we're trying to eat the rainbow every day. We're trying to have all the different colours on the plate. We're trying to do, you know, broccoli and the carrots and things, the veg, and then some main thing. And we're doing kind of the veggie stuff, whatever. We're chatting about the, the diet of the kids. Yeah. She's going, yeah, this is all fine. And I went, well, yeah. what normally happens? She went, I've just been to someone's house and they had pureed a quarter pounder with cheese and we'll feed <laughs> And you go, all oh, right, no, this is, this is fine. This is like the health, yeah. this is like half hour off for them. Yeah. <laughs> Everything you do, you research it and do it properly. So I think you're very well informed. So did you do a lot of reading of all the books? I haven't done a lot of the reading. I'm really, I'm looking forward to a bit of that, but I suppose the first couple of years, you're basically going, right, this thing's got to get on schedule. It's got to get, you know, the sleep schedule seems to be an important thing. And then yeah. it's eat. And the best advice I got was from someone really early on. Someone went, oh, just because I don't have um, uh, a mum and dad and, and Caroline doesn't either in this country. So that her, her mm. parents are in Canada. So we had like this night nurse that came in that was almost like um, a sort of surrogate mum. And sort of gave us all this kind of amazing advice. And just basically, oh, with kids, if they don't eat, don't worry about it. They've got their stomachs tiny. So if it's like a lunch and a dinner that they skip and then they eat a massive breakfast, like, that doesn't like for any sort of 24 hour period yeah. just don't the individual meal doesn't matter just look at what they've eaten over the day oh that's good it takes all the pressure off and she was going actually 48 hours is really good because if your kid has a massive bowl of pasta and really likes it it might yeah. shoo away breakfast and lunch the next day and that's totally normal just be you know chill i remember the first with my first kid i was like i got into my head so much about feeding so it almost became like if she didn't eat it became like a defeat do you know what i mean it became it felt like a each meal felt like something oh this has got to work out but that's so useful to view it in that kind of more long-term way the best experience was about three days in and someone had said oh you've got to meet this woman i went well what, what does she do exactly and they went ah oh, she's the tit witch i went what i went oh she's the tit witch and like three days after the the birth the cholesterol's coming in right so it's like the clear liquid from the boobs before the milk comes in. And then yeah. on that third day, which is the most emotional day, the most hormones you can have in a human body is on that day. This lady called the tit witch, who's called Claire Bynum Cook. She's written all the books on breastfeeding. She's absolutely right. incredible. And she comes around. Does she call herself the tit witch? Yeah. Or is that? No, no, that's, oh, right, that's what she calls herself. And she comes around yeah. and sort of goes and does like the, oh, right, this is how you're going to breastfeed. It's unbelievable. I got on so well with her. Like, she was friends with Jack Whitehall's mum. Do you go, oh, you're the poshest <laughs> woman I've ever met. <laughs> and really, I don't know, I kind of felt like I was, like, giving into the whole, like, the, the, the experience of it and the thing of kind of sort of doing it together was really, it was really fun. Yeah. We got home, like, after, I was really proud. We got, we like, had about five days in the hospital because he was quite premature. Yeah, and yeah. we had about five days in the hospital and then we got home. And Caroline sort of went, oh, I haven't, I haven't changed a nappy yet. How do you do it? Because she hadn't, yeah. hadn't got around to it. I was oh really like, God. oh, I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> but you like knowing stuff, don't you? Like knowing how to do stuff and having like, you're really into like the best way of doing stuff and the, the expert and stuff. So I'm the, the opposite of certain Tory MPs. I love, <laughs> the, there's always someone that knows better than you and every day's a school day. And I think that thing of like being a dad I haven't got set views on it. I'm like going, well, I'm, yeah. I'm just sort of trying to learn from my friends. Yeah. You know, there's people further down the road and you sort of watch how they do it. And they're not, they're not trying to be best mates with their kid. They're, they're trying to be set boundaries and, and be, you know, have this, have a proper father-son relationship, not a friendship. 
Yeah, of course. Yeah. And how how was the birth? You say it was a premature baby. How, what, what was you just standing there awkwardly? Or was you cracking jokes? What was happening when? It was a terrifying morning because it was uh, emer- emergency C sections. Oh no! Oh god! And when they say emergency, they they go, you know, then you sort of take the guy to one side and you go, well, what do you mean emergency? What's the worst case scenario? And they explain, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, that is that's legit frightening. Okay. Um. So it was great. I mean, we were very well taken care of, and it was it was great. And I mm. I don't mind. The, the gore and the guts of the thing. So I was kind of I was yeah. I was sort of in the in the in the business end as they sliced her open. It was GoPro strapped to your head. You're at the business end. Yeah. Wow. I think you're the only person I know who's, who's taken that decision. Oh no, it was it was unbelievable. Did you take a lot of time off? Obviously, or was it in lockdown when the baby came? You was already off. I took a, a week off touring, which I'll be I'll be billing the kids for later. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I took took about a week off, and uh, but even then, I was like going, "Do I? I can pop out for two hours, but not if I could do a show." Yeah, <laughs> I've been doing some preview shows because I'm I've been doing it on this tour for a while, and I'm I'm sort of I'm re I'm rewriting it. I'm rewriting two hours because I'm going to put some of it on a streamer, and then sort of uh, but the tour continues, so I'm rewriting new stuff and sort of yeah, trying that new stuff. People can sort of tell when you're it's true and when it's a joke. People sort of, yeah, yeah. I think they like they never get credit. The audience, the audience know what what's up. They know exactly mm. when you mean it, when you don't mean it, when it's a joke, when it's an opinion. They they get it sort of organically. So it's been quite interesting. There's quite a lot of stuff about having a kid, but it's not your regular oh, sleepless nights. It's <laughs> <laughs> there's some brutal stuff out there. <laughs> Is there anything that was too much to go in the show? Uh, there's not like a little end of the career tour that you've got. You just put it in a file. They're genuinely the, the special that I've just recorded. The last 15 minutes of it is uh, is career enders. I just go, right, let's do some career enders. Oh, brilliant. Oh, wow. And I do sort of 30 career ending jokes in a row. But, you know, that's that's my sense of humour. That's where you can't change yeah, what yeah. you find funny. It's... it's <laughs> <laughs> that, that really appeals to me. And, you know, the thing is, you can joke about anything, but not with anyone. Yeah. Yeah. One of the um, most exciting things, I think, about you having a baby, Jimmy, is... You've chosen a brilliant name. Oh yeah, well, I mean, a lot of celebrities give their give their kids unusual names, and they live to regret it. But if you saw him, Josh, if you saw him, he just he looks like an adult. <laughs> <laughs> little moustache came out with a little moustache. Arm first. He's a Rockefeller. Love it. It's an Love unusual it. name. I've always liked surnames as first names. And that thing of like when you're naming a child, I think it's like three things to look for. It's like, can Rockefeller come out to play? <laughs> you know, it, it's like, is Rockefeller going out on a date? And all be upstanding for Judge Rockefeller. It works on <laughs> those three things. It's like, because sometimes you give him a silly name, you go, well, if he's a high court judge, he's fucked. Does that shorten or are you going Rockefeller? We go Rockefeller. I mean, I always liked Fella is a very... I think it's a lovely thing. I mean, fella. people always go with a rock thing, and you go, actually, fella's mm. great name. Yeah. Right, fella? Yeah. Little fella? Brilliant. <laughs> I like fella, yes. It shortens to so many different things, but we don't. We call him Rockefeller, and I like the kind of sing-song of that and the syllables and the... Yeah. Obviously, I think it's great. Well, what do you your kids? Hang on. I, I now I feel like we should all share. Well, that's the thing. I've done, Me and Lou have kept... Because we haven't... We've never said their name publicly, but I don't really know why. But we've, we don't put them on Instagram or anything like that. But we've never given their name out. But I think... I'm trying to think that's silly, but I don't know why I've, I've done that. 
Whereas I've done an even more absurd thing, which is I don't mention it on the podcast, but for some reason I mention it everywhere else. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like... <laughs> uh, I don't want you to do anything you don't feel comfortable with, but it felt to me like the name was out there because I did the dedication in the book and I wanted to put his name. I wanted to make it... Yeah. Well, that's what happened with me. Yeah, you're sort of putting it out there and it's it's not you know unusual, but you know picking the name was such a... It's such a sort of fun... It's a fun thing to do. Yeah. Well, no, but I, I didn't put it in a dedication. Now I feel guilty and I just put the girls oh. and I've not said it. So I need to talk about Lou about, about the, talking about the names. But I think I probably, because everyone's going to know the name at some point. It's, yeah. just a, it's just a weird thing I've got myself. I'm, I'm happy to have my names judged by Jimmy Carr. I'm quite excited by it. <laughs> I thought it could be a fun little game. So it's my daughter's called Pearl. Ooh, no, I don't like that. <laughs> Pearl, Pearl is great. What was that? The, what's the... Um... God, there's an amazing song from the 80s, Pearl's a Singer. It's the first line of it. Is it Dr. Hook? Oh, I don't know that. I'm going straight. I'm it's straight very excited. Look. It's the, the first line is Pearl's a Singer. And the, the, the second name's pretty special as well. I think you're going to enjoy this. Uh, Cassius is my boy. Oh, Cassius is brilliant. I, I, Ian Morris's kid's called, uh, called Cassius. Oh, really? I presume for Cassius Clay in some form or that was the... Yeah, well, we were going to call him Mohammed, but we actually felt that would be more offensive. So uh, we had to go with Cassius, the original name <laughs> for Mohammed Ali. Well, Mohammed's a great name too. It's the... Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think that would have caused issues. The most, I remember reading a stat saying it's the most common Christian name in the world. I think we've got to come up with a different term for Christian. <laughs> Doesn't seem that Christian. Um, Cassius has got Cassius and Pearl. These are fine, fine choices. Great name. Oh, thank you. Because Pearl's got that lovely thing where it feels a bit 1950s, but also like you, you never hear it. It's great. Yeah. You must have been tempted by Dean after Pearl. <laughs> <laughs> and with Rockefeller, would you want Rockefeller to follow in your footsteps and be a comedian? A lot of people say I'm barely a comedian, Rob, so who knows? <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> oh. I think following my footsteps, it's a weird one where you go, you go, I mean, kind of this is what the book's about. The book is about, I think I'd love him to follow my footsteps, but not necessarily into comedy, into whatever mm. makes his heart sing. Whatever that thing is that just makes him go, oh, I'm so happy doing this. To f- yeah. If you get to find that thing where you, you live to work, not work to live, that's, yeah. for me, um, incredible who wouldn't want that for their kid? Oh, my God. Jimmy Carr's got a fucking heart. What's happened? Jim, it's beautiful, isn't it? No one, I didn't know it was there. Well, I knew secretly, but not in public. <laughs> my favourite quote in the book is there's this lovely quote by an American writer that says, like, having a kid is like having a medical procedure where your heart now lives outside your body. Oh, oh. that's lovely. What a, what a way to end it as well. We do normally have a question about what annoys you about your partner. The most moving one we've ever done was Jimmy Carr. <laughs> Who thought that was going to ever happen? Um, Jimmy, it's been amazing. We do have one last question, though, if that's all right. Oh, go ahead. The question is, what's the one thing that annoys you about the way your partner parents that you don't really bring up in case it causes a row? I imagine you would bring it up, though, Jimmy. Is there something that your partner does that annoys you parenting-wise that you don't think you should be doing? Um, no, I mean, it's like, it's, it, I don't think so. I don't think it's, hang on, let me think, there's got to be something. Maybe she could smoke less cigarettes around him and <laughs> she could drink a bit less. And I think <laughs> use is, God, oh, it's, it's a lot. Heroin does calm you down. Yeah, there's a fun mum's fun though, isn't it? Why are there so many sharp things? <laughs> Um, Jimmy, it's been amazing. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure, Jimmy. The book is Before and Laughter, subtitle, Life-Changing Book. Oh, Joke title. Obviously, I did loads of joke titles. that I, I pitched the book on the title, <laughs> Jim Will Fix It. And <laughs> the publisher bought it on that on that premise. They went, yeah, that's, that's hilarious. It's great. And then 
as it got closer to the date, I think they called the people at Tesco's and went, they're not going to stock it if you call it that. So I wanted to call it just the tip, take it from Jimmy Carr. <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> just the tip. Well, there's always the paperback, Jimmy. There's always the paperback. Yeah, I could change it for that. But it's it's been, uh, you you both have got books out right now, right? So yes. yes. I haven't read them yet. I feel I feel bad. I haven't read them. I'll, I'll get round to them. Don't feel bad, Jimmy, at all. There's there is sixty four comedians with books out at the moment. The thing was though, in the middle of like when lockdown here, we've all got the call yeah. from our agent after about three weeks. Going, we can't just sit on your ass. You're either doing a podcast or you're doing a book, and you greedy fuckers have done both. <laughs> <laughs> Over cheers, mate. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jim. That was perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Jimmy Carr, I love that episode, Josh. Oh, it was brilliant. And I genuinely, I love seeing that side of Jimmy Carr. It's so, it's it's, it's, it's exciting, isn't it? I'm going to say it, it's thrilling to hear Jimmy Carr in that way. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, because I've sort of known Jimmy quite well, like, and you have as well, like, as the person, not just a sort of joke machine. And he's a really lovely bloke, he's very caring and very, like, will always offer advice and help you out and things like that. And he's always been really good to me, but you've never really seen it in, in the public. But it's really nice to see him uh, opening up. Um, no TV, though. I mean... Oh, oh, tough, tough. Impossible. How do you get through the 12 hours of the day? <laughs> I've got no idea. But I do think it's different when you are got one kid and he's mm. around a lot more and his wife's around a lot more. Maybe you've got more time to do that kind of stuff. I think it's just you, you end up with a situation where, like, um, it's just like that half hour when you're like, I just need to cook dinner. Can you just sit in front of the tea? All of that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Just to park it, I'm going to make you breakfast. I can't also colour in with you. So could you just watch Jojo and Grand Grand? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But, you know, each their own. No judgment here, guys. No you judgment. do what you've got to do. Not judging, Rob. I'm jealous of the ability. I'm jealous of the ability to parent. Good on him. Um, wicked. Well, that was uh, Jimmy Carr. I told you we'd have big dogs leading up to Christmas. Exactly. It's it's all about the build-up to Christmas. And the great thing is, the Christmas, the season of giving, they just want to come on and talk to us. And there's nothing in it for them. <laughs> they just want to come on and have a nice chat. In the build-up to Christmas. What I love about how successful this podcast is, people like Jimmy Carr and McIntyre are going on it, and I can imagine them going, really? <laughs> what, I've got to go and talk to Rob and Josh about my kids? What, and that many people will listen? And they sold that many books after doing it? Fuck, real, for fuck's sake. All right, I'll do it. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, right, let's... I uh, will see, um, see you on Tuesday, isn't it, Josh? Bye. See you later. Bye. Bye-bye. 